Hi. So, what is melodrama? Basic definitions are, of course, sensational dramatic piece with exaggerated characters and exciting events intended to appeal to the emotions. Historically, a melodrama, a play, was interspersed with songs and orchestral music accompanying the action. The Greek word, Greek word melos, music. The French word drame, drama. The combination, melodrama, melodrama, early 19th century. What is the difference between a drama and a melodrama? The acting style, so-called deemed appropriate to a drama, tends to be realistic, although I would argue that. Whereas the act in a melodrama is bombastic or excessively sentimental. Again, I would argue with that. And we'll see when we look at Far From Heaven and Cut on a Hot Tin Roof um, that this is not necessarily so. Uh, but I do think that the word melodrama has acquired a connotation of the bombastic and excessively sentimental. Certainly, when people think of melodrama, they think of an excessive display of emotion. A soap opera is an example of melodrama. In a contemporary realm, I think it's useful to think about the soap opera in this way. Again, sometimes we deride that form or we mock it, but actually it's a very viable form of structuring story. Um, and I would say most of the films 90%, 80%, of the films and plays uh, and TV series that we see tend to work with melodrama uh, in some form. The idea of creating tension and excitement, uh, giving your characters lots of obstacles to, to jump through or fight with. Um, uh, Stories about a person who's constantly breaking up, getting back together with her partner in emotional scenes, right, uh, is very much in the realm of melodrama. Melodrama is a genre that emerged in France during the Revolutionary Period. Again, the word itself means literally music, drama, or song drama. And it derives from the Greek, but it reached the Victorian theater, at least the Victorian era, by way of French theater. Um, I think this notion of the song drama is interesting to think about. How is a melodrama structured a little bit like a musical? Uh, maybe not in the sense of how we think of musicals today, but maybe in their original sense of operettas, for example. Uh, good thing to think about. Um, you can say, what about Romeo and Juliet? Uh, Romeo and Juliet is a tragedy. Uh, absolutely. But it does have sections of it that turn into melodrama, especially towards the latter end. What is the purpose of melodrama? To play on the feelings and emotions of the audience. Again, I would say that any work of art wants to do that, unless it doesn't want to play on anyone's feelings or emotions at all. Uh, so I think that's a very loose definition. Uh, but I know that it, that it comes up a lot. Uh, characteristics of melodrama. 
Music was used to increase emotions or to signify characters. So signature music, motifs for certain characters musically. This is used a lot in film, right? So the, sound, the motif in the soundtrack that's associated with a particular character. If you look at the Western, which is, I think, a form that does operate a great deal in the melodramatic realm, uh, this is used very cleverly, and I think by a lot of different filmmakers. Uh, how is the score kind of signifying the moral universe? And I think that's the thing about melodrama outside of it. So let's say, let's hold aside the roots of music drama for a second. But the fact that we're dealing with usually a very clear moral universe, good and evil are embodied in stock characters, and the fight between good and evil is very clear. So Marvel, Marvel Studios and those films operate in melodrama. They operate with fairly stock, for the most part, uh, ideas about good and evil are and characters that embody those uh, spectrums. And the moral universe is very clear, very transparent, and very simplified. Okay, It's usually not uh, ambiguous and complex, necessarily. Uh, melodrama also uses the episodic form. So we have like a villain who poses a threat, a hero or heroine who escapes. And usually there's this uh, idea of having a happy ending. Melodrama was the primary form of theater during the 19th century, despite other influences. It became really popular in 1840, and of course it's still with us today. In the early 1800s, melodrama Melodramas were mostly romantic or supernatural. And I think in ghost stories, for example, uh, you have strong elements of melodrama that exist today. Uh, in the 1820s, the form became more familiar in terms of its settings, for example. So not a ghost story or not uh, even horror. I think horror sort of lives a little bit in the world of melodrama, right? Um, but in the 1820s, the idea of the uncanny in everyday life started to operate uh, in, the, in the exploration of melodrama, still within a fairly simplified moral universe. In the 1830s, the form uh, was called, this is gonna sound a little bit gendered and it's only because it's just historical, is gentlemanly melodrama. So, so what is this? This is sort of an elevated form, right? So the moral universe starts to get a little more complicated it's a little more civil uh, in terms of how characters react toward each other. It's not the bad guy in the black hat and the, you know, and the damsel in distress and all those tropes. But it, it starts to occupy a more kind of refined terrain. I think if you look at the world of film, there's a, an extraordinary movie by Orson Welles called uh, The Magnificent Ambersons. Uh, that film uh, is is that kind of elevated melodrama. It really works in that territory in an incredibly sophisticated way. Um, and when we look at Far From Heaven, uh, you'll see how it works, how it works also in that realm. Um, subterranean longings, things that would normally be more expressed in sort of more conventional early days of melodrama are kind of held in, but still the emotions are very big. Uh, but they're played a little bit differently. The instrument is played differently, in other words. So what are the characteristics of melodrama? It comes from music drama, like I said again. Music was used to increase emotions. Um, 
So to kind of cue the audience, manipulate the audience. Uh, Steven Spielberg is a filmmaker that is often accused of, in his scores with John Williams, uh, of really milking the audience, right? So um, it's absolutely a tactic, uh, and it's a tactic of melodrama. Simplified moral universe, like I said again, good and evil are embodied in stock characters. Episodic form, uh, almost never five acts. So this is sort of interesting. Five, the five-act form was usually for, quote, serious plays. So uh, uh, you'll find the five-act form a lot, of course, in Shakespeare. Um, O'Neill sometimes uses the five-act form. I think that the five-act form still exists um, within the three-act form, uh, and certainly even within the two-act form, and certainly within the one-act form, just to complicate things a little bit further. Um, in fact, a friend of mine named Chris Good, who's a splendid theater maker and, and sound design person and poet and wears many hats, uh, talks about structuring his plays in five acts, but he doesn't say they're five acts. So, but he's thinking in five. And I think the way to think about the five act structure, I love to think about it in terms of writing five panels. And those panels are panels of action and they kind of hold your story together uh, if you're interested in a narrative. Um, but melodrama is usually, you know, historically, the 18 in the 1800s were not uh, usually five acts. Uh, they were usually two acts, actually, between two and three. Uh, melodrama is also um, heavy on spectacle, right? So a lot of special effects, fires, explosions, drownings, earthquakes. Um, this is the era where the audience, again, it's about manipulating audience motion and also doing spectacular events on stage or on film. Uh, on stage, you know, having a big shipwreck or having the fire break out, and characters running and a big battle. And so the, the idea of special effects and melodrama, again, to kind of move the story along, but also heighten the emotional landscape uh, is characteristic of melodrama. Um, types of melodrama. Um, uh, this is sort of interesting because I think this is sort of a sub- a really subcategory, um, but there are a lot of, you know, I mentioned the Western before, the modern Western in film, uh, and even in contemporary Westerns, um, but there's also uh, the territory that is involved with animals, right? So canine melodramas, so stories about the dog who has to go across the country to find their owner or to save someone or... Um, nautical melodramas, uh, you know, uh, you're, at, you're at sea and you're traveling through many, way, through many oceans to uh, complete a journey, um, disaster melodramas, so uh, the, ho the house is burning, the tower is burning, uh, uh, you know, the, the plane is coming down, uh, those are all melodramas, right? So the there's a subset of melodrama that's not about the damsel in distress or 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 the person in distress, but actually and very clear good and evil, but but also is the subset is about uh, embodied a little bit differently. And I think thinking of the disaster story, for example, uh, as an element of melodrama is useful as you're thinking about writing. 
so a little bit about formal things in melodrama. So uh, domestic dramas, melodramas, uh, usually in um, the 17, uh, 18, late 18, mid-1800s, mid uh, uh, treated common people with dignity, often introduced controversial views without offending the audience. Um, the writer in Germany that sort of did a lot of these melodramas, about 200 plays, believe it or not, uh, Friedrich von Kotzebue, uh, people don't do his work anymore, um, many other writers. So Dion Boussico, uh, in English language melodrama, 1822 to 1890, uh, US. Um, you might know Dion Boussico from the Octoroon, uh, and not necessarily the Octoroon, but Brandon Jacob Jenkins' uh, remix and, and kind of reconfiguration of the Octoroon. Uh, the Octoroon is a play from 1859, uh, and uh, Boussico was the most successful uh, writer in the English language of melodrama in the United States. Um, we will actually be seeing a Boussico play, uh, which is a comedy. Um, uh, called London Assurance, uh, a little bit later in the term, uh, for those of you that are on this side of, of the, of the course, uh, uh, which, which, but it still holds true that some of the stock characters are emblematic. Busico was the first, and I should spell that B-O-U-C-I-C-A-U-L-T, Dion Busico, D-I-O-N, uh, was the first author in the United States to receive royalties for the performances of his plays. It's a big deal. Um, and he was instrumental in creating the Copyright Act of 1886. A lot of his plays contained volcanoes, earthquakes, and burning buildings. So uh, the idea of spectacle being very, very strong. Uh, we can look at also at other forms of you know, melodrama, but I'll sort of stay there for now. Um, what else can I tell you about melodrama? Many things. Uh, in Western theater, usually, and that term is problematic always, but anyway, in Western theater, historically, <laughs> um, sentimental. So sentimental drama with an improbable plot that concerns uh, the trials and tribulations suffered by the virtuous, the virtuous people at the hands of the villainous folks. Uh, melodrama usually ends happily with virtue being triumphant. So um, stories where, you know, the bad, the bad guy gets their due, the bad person gets their due and, uh, order is restored. Melodrama is a lot about order, right? And it's about sort of looking at systems of order against systems of chaos and disorder, uh, exemplified by villainy. Uh, the stock characters in melodrama are the noble hero, the long suffering heroine, uh, and the cold blooded villain. Melodrama focuses uh, not on character development necessarily, uh, although some of the mutations that we'll see do, uh, but it usually on sensational incidents and spectacular staging. Uh, so that's just useful to know. Uh, like I said, the melodramatic stage play uh, developed in France, actually from the impact of Rousseau's Pygmalion, uh, which you may know Pygmalion through George Bernard Shaw. Uh, but Pygmalion by Rousseau, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, 1762, uh, performed in 1770. 
is about a society torn by violent political and social upheaval. Uh, and so it's not the Pygmalion that we know from Shaw and later from the musical My Fair Lady, but it uses that idea of the, of the changed society uh, to kind of explore what happens when something is, again, disorder. Again, the tension between order and disorder. Um, uh, what else can I tell you about metadrama? Many things. Um, covered some of them. Sheridan. Oh, I have thought about Sheridan. So Richard Brunsley Sheridan, 1799. Worth knowing in terms of melodrama, early 19th century. Um, also, uh, and it's, it is a form that I would say it started in France, but it became very popular all over the world. So during the 19th century, however, what used to be central to melodrama, which was music and singing, actually, uh, were eliminated. Uh, and instead, the emphasis was on realistic stories, photorealistic stories with spectacular elements like snowstorms, shipwrecks, battles, train wrecks, earthquakes, and horse races. Uh, I mentioned the Octoroon before, very popular in the United States, 1859 by Dion Busico. The Poor of New York, 1857, uh, really uh, incredibly popular play uh, from 1857 about, as you've guessed it, the poor of New York. It's about poverty um, and, the, and the evils uh, against the poor, evils uh, conducted by the rich against the poor, um, the haves and have-nots. Uh, melodrama is interesting because it also anticipated naturalism. And I think that sometimes, you know, I think there's uh, this divide between realism and naturalism, but uh, melodrama, it's like melodrama, then naturalism, then realism, <laughs> uh, if you want to look at it that way. So, um, and again, this could be debated historically, but naturalism comes out of melodrama because of the staging of real things, right? So in melodrama, the idea of like running water on stage, for example, a kitchen sink and running water, people cooking, um, things that then got incorporated into naturalism um, with stories that were less uh, simplified in their moral universe. Um, it's a very vigorous form. Uh, and of course, uh, film, the motion picture, uh, took great advantage of melodrama, especially in the early days and silent film and also in the early days of the talkies. Uh, and of course, TV drama. TV drama is mostly anchored in melodrama, actually. Um, so it's sort of interesting. Um, what else can I tell you? Um, it's, a, it's a form that's inspired Shakespeare, that's inspired many poets, uh, Byron and Shelley. Um, this sort of sentimental plot with, with trials and tribulations. Um, and, you know, it's, it's sort of a great, it's a great base form in many ways and, and uh, interesting to look at. I think that one of the things to think about is what's the difference between drama and melodrama? Uh, uh, you know, is there a debate? Uh, and 
some people argue about this all the time. I don't know. I, I think that the thing about drama, just drama on its own without the mellow in front of it, <laughs> is that it's a state situation or series of events involving interesting or intense conflict of forces. Uh, that's at the, the base and, and really rooted in conflict um, and in struggle. And melodrama, it's a story characterized by extravagant theatricality and the predominance of plot and physical action over characterization. So in melodrama, again, looking at just the root of that form, it's not necessarily about the characters, but about machinations of the plot. Uh, so, so in TV, law and order, right? Law and order functions as melodrama. It's a procedural, uh, and you're not really interested in the characters. The characters are almost interchangeable. They're serving functions and you're just following the plot, right? Um, and Law and Order is not extravagant, and it's theatricality, <laughs> um, but it is, it is a, a form that, that pits good and evil against each other and, and kind of emphasizes plot and physical action. Uh, drama on its own, if you're calling something a drama, uh, the idea, I guess, behind that is that uh, characters are going to be uh, pr predominant, right? It's going to be what people call character-driven stories, right? So that, uh, and in fact, I would say that Fences, when we look at Fences, uh, is in that realm. It's a drama, right? It's a drama. It's also a tragedy. Um, uh, ba -ba 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 -ba. Just thinking here. Things that operate with melodrama. Kind of thinking through this. Uh, you know, it's such a, unless you go back to the days of, um, of, you know, the, the heroine that's tied to the railroad tracks and somebody's going to save her, uh, uh, melodrama sort of functions a little bit differently now, the way we think about it. The one thing I will say is that Sometimes people talk about melodrama as being a dramatic form that doesn't observe the laws of cause and effect. Um, it exaggerates emotion and emphasizes plot or action at the expense of characterization. So this is sort of key, at the expense of characterization often. I would argue against that, especially in contemporary melodrama, uh, um, where I think characterizations are incredibly rich, uh, but we're in a very extravagant emotional world, uh, usually a very queer world. Um, in fact, queer artists in cinema especially, but also in theater, um, have been mining melodrama and sometimes subverting it, right, uh, greatly. Um, because it was seen, it's also interesting, melodrama is seen, I think over the years, historically, past the 1800s and, <laughs> and into the 20th century, it started to be seen as a form that was uh, again, this is going to be gendered, but it was seen as a form that was for women. It was like, a, and I don't mean writing, women writing it, but I meant, I mean, like, uh, like in film, I would say like in the 40s, maybe late 30s, 40s and 50s, there was this idea of the woman's picture. So Stella Dallas, for example, prime example of that. Um, uh, in contemporary realms, Bette Medler's Beaches. Um, um, you know, stories that usually had women at the center and that usually had to do with domestic, their domestic life, uh, domestic internal life, 
their relationships with other people, <laughs> sometimes relationships with their families and children, uh, were kind of put aside. It's sort of interesting, I think, because of the patriarchy in Hollywood. So they were put aside and, and put in kind of the melodramatic realm, right? So the, those stories um, really didn't belong to drama, dra serious drama, uh, uh, even though they did. Um, but they were they were kind of cast aside, and the idea of the extravagant, or the idea of the full emotion, or or the fully emotive uh, palette uh, for a filmmaker and for a writer, uh, even if it's subterranean, uh, was seen as as kind of like uh, not as serious. Uh, I think an, an incredible artist from the twentieth and twenty first century that works with melodrama is Pedro Almodóvar in Spain. Um, he uses melodrama constantly um, to kind of take his, take his stories and lift them, right? So there is this, there is a kind of exaggerated palette. It's incredibly queer um, with a kind of wink. There's a knowingness about what that queer world is. Uh, but it's also a, a desire to tap into um, what I would call a more operatic realm of, of presenting the dramatic. And that operatic realm uh, actually brings us back to the roots of melodrama itself, mellow and drama, music and drama, right? So uh, music and story, in other words. Um, uh, and music is sort of, so in Almodovar, the heightened visual world and sometimes the emotional expressed landscape uh, the characters speak or that they their behavior sort of exemplifies is in the realm of melodrama often i think high heels is a perfect example of that if you ever find look at that film flower of my secret a great example of that volver v-o-l-v-e-r uh, a film that also operates as a melodrama that one is sort of a melodrama slash uh, crime story slash it got a little bit of other genre things going on in it. Um, but it is a form that, that Almodovar really minds uh, greatly. Uh, and I think that if you're ever interested in, in looking at a prime example of how melodrama works uh, in cinema, uh, he's a great source uh, to look at. Uh, you know, it's what's interesting too, and I think I was thinking about the women's picture thing uh, from the 40s and 50s, is that uh, melodrama is associated with melodramatic behavior or events, right? So in the 17th, 18th, and early 19th century, the term was that it was a romantic drama, you know, a romantic drama with music. Um, so the idea that somewhere in melodrama you're dealing with romance or the idea of eros, uh, attraction, uh, comes into play, which uh, is not really true of its very root, uh, but it's sort of started to enter the picture as melodrama kind of developed over the years. Uh, what else can I say about melodrama? Overly dramatic. Uh, it's called a subgenre of drama that deals with sensational romantic topics. Um, uh, uh, Little Eyes, uh, the Nicole Kidman, Reese Witherspoon. Brief Encounter, right? So Brief Encounter by Noel Coward. If you don't know that play, that film, 
great example of melodrama. Deep Blue Sea by Terence Radigan, which is also a film by Terence Davies, great example of melodrama. Mildred Pierce uh, by James Kane, which then was turned into a film by Joan Crawford, and then turned into a miniseries by Todd Haynes. Uh, Mildred Pierce is definitely a melodrama. Kitty Foyle, uh, Voyager, great example. It's a novel. Uh, uh, Wuthering Heights, Wuthering Heights, yeah. I, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, Wuthering Heights is definitely in a melodrama. Um, big emotions. <laughs> Big sweeping emotions, love and class divides. What happens with Wuthering Heights is that it it dips into tragedy, right? But it starts in sort of melodrama. Uh, Long-suffering protagonists. There's, I'm going to just reiterate here just so that it's in your head. So what about melodrama? Sensational plots, tragedy, unrequited love, loss and heightened emotion. Long-suffering protagonists, especially women, which is annoying. Um, um, but historically that's what happened in melodrama uh, attempts in vain to overcome impossible odds right so really having to and playing really playing on the feelings and emotions of the audience as all work does but uh, melodrama kind of I think the thing about melodrama is it shows its hand so I think that's a way to think about it in melodrama you, the, the writer the filmmaker show their hand they show how they're going to be manipulating us. And either we go for a long for the right or we don't. I think if it's artfully done, um, we do, uh, as audience uh, tend to. It's such a conventional form. I think the soap opera is a very maligned form, uh, but a really interesting one, because it, what it does is that it, um, within melodrama, uh, and it just does have improbable plots, uh, uh, is that it it does something very interesting, which is that because it's uh, plot-based and function-driven with character, um, that idea that in a soap opera, anybody, you know, this 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 actor is no longer in the show, but the next actor is going to play that same part in the next five episodes or whatever, that quality uh, that happens in a soap opera, I think is a really exciting place to work from dramatically and extremely worth discovering uh, um, because you know who does that also is David Lynch right the idea that identities are shared and that characters can sort of walk in and take over another character's life um, and sometimes derail that life um, uh, I would say that Lynch is somebody interesting to think about in terms of melodrama uh, Blue Velvet for sure uh, definitely a simplified moral universe there, but a very complicated one uh, in terms of good and evil. Um, exaggerated emotional uh, landscape. Uh, he dips into symbolism, right, which is another form uh, genre-wise. So, so I think that that's where somebody like Lynch uh, is not, I guess, strictly in the realm of melodrama, but uh, is definitely using those templates. Uh, and the idea of cause and effect in his work is uh, more akin to melodrama than it is to drama, uh, and certainly realism, uh, because he's dealing on, an, on, another, on another level. Uh, so it's, it's just tough to think about. Uh, and as we, as we look at work 
uh, start to look at how some of those tropes are, de are deployed and, uh, and why they're useful, um, just as tools, right? So this, none of this is about, you must write a melodrama, <laughs> you must write a drama, you must write a tragedy, but more just to look at these forms and look at why they work and, and um, why they still work, why they're still around, uh, why they're fairly common. Uh, and how do they, how do they still, you know, something that was coined, I guess, um, three, three centuries ago, oh my gosh, three centuries ago, 18th century is still with us, right? Uh, so it's just something to bear in mind and I think well worth, uh, kind of thinking about also this idea that's become part of a lot of a Hollywood structure, Hollywood formula, storytelling, which is sort of a ridiculous thing to begin with, but I'm just going to foreground that for a second. Is the, the idea of the what next, what next, what next, what happens next, what happens next, actually is so is sort of evident in melodrama um, because that's how melodrama moves. Right. It's what next? What's going to happen next? Oh, my God. What's going to happen next? Oh, my God. They got in trouble. Urgh, what's going to happen? Right. So so it kind of works on the audience that way. You're, you're kind of putting characters in different kind of jams, you know, different kind of tough situations. Um, and you're trying to figure out how they're going to wriggle themselves out of it. Um, and and usually through very exaggerated. So I think action films actually uh, like the Bond films, for example, have big elements of melodrama in the way those narratives are, are written and play out. Uh, uh, and horror, of course, does as well. So I think that some of the genres that are very familiar are actually drawing from melodrama and its roots. Uh, and again, if you think about some of the roots of melodrama, uh, ghost, ghost stories or plays that dealt with the supernatural uh, were often central in the very, very early days of melodrama before the terrain became much more about, quote, real life, um, more photographic and its impulses. Um, so that's like the, the, sh the short of it, the short of it. Um, I have a brief primer on Melodoma to get us going and uh, more soon.